If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Chloe Coutier. Dr. Chloe is a medical Qigong doctor from China, nationally certified as an energy healing practitioner in the clinical Qigong division. And she's also the author of the book, Pathways to Consciousness Power. She's a certified advanced medical Qigong instructor and osteopath. I love osteopaths, by the way. And we have a lot in common with cranial sacral therapy because I took my son to a cranial sacral practitioner, which was so amazing. She's also the developer of cranial sacral Qigong. Incredible. What an amazing combination. Welcome, Dr. Chloe. Thank you so much, Carissa, for having me. I was looking forward to meeting you in person because I really enjoyed everything about you, your energy, your your style, your interviews, of course. And so I, I felt also that there was some, you know, really reciprocity between the two of us. I was looking forward to, you know, sharing with you and your audience. Oh, thank you so much. So I'd love to dive deeper into healing. Do you feel that everyone can heal? Yes, number one. That's part of our birthright. We are born with abilities. Um, Unfortunately, I would say this is not well known enough. And uh, it needs to be understood uh, that it is part of our birthright and um, that we need to exercise it, you know, have a relationship with this uh, self-healing, healing abilities. Because when we do so, um, well, we heal faster, number one. <laughs> and we can heal when we may not realize that we have this ability, that we can do it. The doctor, the medical community is here to support this, not to take it over. Mm. And how did you discover this like certainty, this trust that healing is our birthright. Like, did you have this knowing as you started to study? Was it an experience you had? You have such a grounded truth in in that, that it's our birthright. And, and so I'm just curious. Yeah, it's amazing for me to realize that not everybody owns this birthright to the <laughs> understand that it is part of who we are and how we're made and um, designed for uh, by our maker. And um, so how, for me, it it, it was um, pretty much always part of who I was, and yet I was not aware of it until I, did, I started doing life. <laughs> I discovered meditation when I was in my 20s. Okay. Um, 
I believe I was a meditator all my life because I was a, sucking my thumb when I was a little child. And um, and, and that's on. a type of meditation for kids? Yeah, it is. His singularity, <laughs> the thumb. Okay. I found out as a craniosacral osteopath that I was actually doing myself my own craniosacral therapy. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love that. I have never heard that from any like healing practitioner. Oh my gosh, you blew me away. Oh my gosh. So what about other fingers? Do you think that that's also giving them therapy or the thumb is special because it's like getting in there different? Wait, oh, I'm so glad we're going there from the get-go. I knew with you we were going to be like <laughs> out, out there. Feeling- <laughs> yeah. So where you are and your questions are so pertinent every time. Mm. And so, yeah. And so, well, when I found out there's actually, there's a motion that we do that the child does when it's yes. And yes. so that motion is actually facilitating craniosacral rhythm, which has a direct relationship with the motion of the cranium itself, the cranial rhythm, and facilitating the cerebral spinal fluid production within the brain that also goes all the way down to the sacrum, cranium sacrum. That's why my work is craniosacral qigong, because we take into consideration that midline and the, uh, the, the, the line of the potency of the intelligence of the body. This is also central nervous system, but it's also a dynamic because of the hydraulic, the cerebrospinal fluid, you see. And that's really what craniosacral Therapy, craniosacral works, craniosteopathy, all of that biodiversity really touches on, literally touches on with our hands on. We feel that we can facilitate this rhythm, mm. we can enhance this rhythm. We can find where there are blockages and restrictions and help the body push against it to self-correct. You see, that's the intelligence of it. So, yeah, sucking the thumb <laughs> actually was beneficial on all those dimensions. I did not realize I was that. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) your parents have uh, resistance because I know, uh, I mean, a lot of parents might be resistant to their child sucking their fingers or their thumb, thinking they're going to need braces, (laughs) you know, not thinking that there is this incredible stimulation and healing that's going on. Right. And it's a fine line too. Mm. because mm-hmm. I, I grew um aware that my parents were against my th- sucking my thumb because i had to go hide to suck my thumb yes <laughs> you know, yes a spot where i could just be not noticed and be there <laughs> this is your meditation <laughs> your, yes yes meditation via this mm-hmm. this process but what i also understood and that's also i'm so glad you're asking this because i felt embarrassed for the longest time about talking about this and mm. because it was an addiction also so there's a fine oh line, yes because right? of the soothing because it's a, a way to soothe like it's an addiction is that what you mean yeah yeah so we rely on something and don't given me because of my thumb but i felt that you know i was kind of growing up and still sucking my thumb and i felt embarrassed and so after my parents tried everything they could imagine <laughs> get me to stop my thumb i think they just give up on it and oh realized- did they try tabasco sauce spicy 
<laughs> mustard, you name it. <laughs> you probably liked it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've been there with my daughter, but not thumb. She's doing fingers. So that's why I asked about the fingers. And she's eight, but I still catch her sometimes. So this is this is the age when everything turned for me because I realized I'm Was turning- it eight? Were you saying it's eight? Oh my gosh. This is amazing. I'm turning eight and I'm still sucking my thumb. I'm embarrassed <laughs> because I'm aware of this now. Yeah. So I made the decision I was going to stop sucking my thumb for Mother's Day. That was going to be <laughs> my presence to my mother. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I, I love it. For Mother's Day. And I say, by that date, I will have stopped sucking my thumb. I was almost eight. I was eight years old because I turned eight before Mother's Day. And so um, I remember just, you know, writing down every day that I would not suck about them and just like counting and writing down. And that was my Chris, my, my mother's day card to my mother. And I showed to her that I had stopped sucking my thumb by her, by mother's day. And she was the whole, a whole life was talking about this card and how important it was. Oh my God. For me, it was so important because you know what? I can do that. I can do anything I want. Yes. Empowerment. You, because you, you're making that decision and it's all you, it's not forced upon you from your parents or yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because whatever they did, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. When I realized I eight years old, I must stop sucking my thumb. This is, this is the end of it. I got to really end this. And, and by doing that, I realized, and I learned so much, you know, on self-discipline, of self-control, of, you know, consciousness, power of consciousness. Mm. I can do it, you know, and just, so this is a tool that I've been using over the years also to help people. Yes. If my eight-year-old little girl could figure this out, you can do it too. And all it takes every day, you just don't do what you suppose, what you feel is, it feels like you need to do, but you realize it's not good for you because it's an addiction. And then, you know, just count the days and little by little, it goes away. Mm. The need to, to, to do it for the addiction goes away. Because mm. it's not part of our inerrant makeup somehow. Ah, I see. I see. That's that's a layer that needs to be healed is what you're implying. Any addiction that we might have? That's right. That's right. But there's a yeah. fine line between the I, habit and the addiction, you know? I see. I see. Yes, it is a fine line. Because sometimes people could consider habits healthy, such as exercise or diet. But like you said, the fine line, if it becomes obsessive or working out, I mean, of course, if you're an athlete and that's your job, you have to work out all the day and be obsessive. So maybe, you know, maybe those type of people get into that where, where they're in that type of career because they have a tendency to want to be addicted to exercise, but, but it, I do find it interesting. Yeah, because it can be a overzealous too, you know, and just right. uh, over overusing some parts and and not really counting on others that can also be there for 
for the person that they may not um, realize. Um, mm. Yeah. So let's go back to your 20s and when you started meditating. We we know as a child you were doing your own type of meditation, but then so you got introduced to what, what type of meditation were you doing? Well, the teachers came, um, it just manifested, you know. Um, it was your destiny, maybe. It was, it, it totally was. And, you know, you can only look back and realize, you know, connecting the dots. But when you're doing life, you just, you know, you just keep moving forward and then you can look back and realize. But um, because I was this child who was pretty much withdrawn from the collective, because I was more the observer, mm. um, and I was just capturing what the field was. I was not in the field. I was not. I was more like the observer. And so, wow, so, that sounds very healthy. That's right. That's right. You see, so I was able to to check out. I was a third of, of four children, okay. and I could. And there was a lot of talking. A lot of you know intelligent people, very charismatic, brilliant people. And I was um, kind of the quiet one, observing and learning. And uh, and so if there were, it would be too much agitation uh, in my own personal space, I knew I had to kind of remove myself from the collective. Mm-hmm. I figured this out early on. It yeah. Good... And so this- My is... dog does that too. Yes. She's very sensitive. Anytime there's any agitation, she will leave. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, because they really absorb the field. Huh? Mm-hmm. The, and so you have a smart dog too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, you know, that's what the, the, the cage, what do you call that? The, the cage, the, the dog um, pen. They need that. They need yeah. that you know, isolating and just, you know, finding their own center mm, right right mm-hmm. moving all this yeah so you found your own tools to manage all oh, of right. these energies growing up it, where did you grow up uh where did you grow up what, what nationality are you i am um i was i, I was born in france and when i was 19 okay. years old i i just knew i was meant to be uh, living in america okay uh, Mostly because of my father, who was traveling a lot around the world, and was always coming back with uh, all kind of, you know, uh, gifts and movies and etc. He was an early on cinematographer, and he would take movies and showing America and say, "If I were young, I would go to America." And so I knew, kind of, I had that call. I just knew there was something really, really special about being in America. And the moment I put my foot on the American ground, I was just about 19 years old. I said, this is home. I feel different from the beginning at that point, at that point. What, so, where did you, where was that in America? Where New York you, City. Oh, New York City. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. And so then I want you know, wanted up just finding my way here was my father who had businesses and, you know, and in, in the, in the States. And so, um, kind of find my way in um, through his guidance, but but you see, I want to go back to your question because this is really important. I want to answer you. Um, 
how did I get to that? Well, you already said it. I kind of figured it out on my own with no teachers. And that's why I'm, I'm very careful about which teacher I'm going to study with. <laughs> well, that's it, smart. Right. <laughs> a lot of people think just because they are a teacher that we can learn from them, but that is not true. There are special teachers for that's you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so going back and forth, because I was not just coming from France to America, there was, you know, back and forth until I settled for sure and um, and sound and I found my way. And but every time I would go back to France, I would feel contracted, tight, unhappy, um, uh, not well, N- not happy, <laughs> not well, oh. not happy. Well, that's like, interesting. That? Yeah. Well, so good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so wonderful that you really listen to those feelings that you were in touch with the physical sensations of your body, because so many times people can't put their finger on it. You know, it's just like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I just don't like this place. I I feel like more at home here, but, but yeah, you were having those signs. And so I knew knowing that all I needed to do is isolate myself from the people and just feel it inside of me. One needs to shift, one needs to change. And it was during an experience um, that lasted um, quite a bit of time. Um, it was about seven days where I isolated myself from the world to understand what is going on in my body. What is going on inside of me? How can I be feeling so good in one place and not the other? And during this time, I received information from, you know, from inside, beyond, whatever you want to call it. But that part of me that was always part of me, in a voice of conscience, however you want to describe it, you know, that's the way I relate to it. And so, and that part started talking to me more with more clarity. And, and, and I understood so much about healing at that point. I was in my twenties. And after that, I was in France and I heard the message, come back to America. You're done with friends. And, um, um, just, just know you'll be a master amongst masters. Mm. And the teachers will come. And this is really how it happened and unfolded. The teachers came, the doors opened, the information was delivered to me to continue to understand what had happened to me and the transformation that took place because I was a different looking person before that experience and after that experience. So different that even my family thought I had had cosmetic surgery. I had. <laughs> Oh my God, that's amazing. Because sometimes when we heal, it can lighten up, it can lift the heaviness. So it's like your your family is thinking you had cosmetic surgery is like a facelift. And uh, wow, that's amazing. And even now, I, I mean, it doesn't even matter um, your age, but, but you have this vital, vitality and youthfulness and brightness in your eyes that is um it just yeah it's so welcoming and and um warm and so that, that's so interesting but but it's brave also what you did in your 20s to take 7 days 
to to feel into this it was moving me it was taking me it was like yeah. my body started moving and my breast started to change to change ah. and i was like well, what's going on here so my body was taking over you know and was showing me how it's like oh this this really this person inside this this me this body knows exactly how to move this and it's showing me how and i was showing my husband edward uh earlier today i said you know this movement here, and this is what I did uh, during my experience, and I'm still doing it, you know, on a regular basis. That's how I kind of reset myself. There's a few of those movements that um, my, my body did that no teacher ever taught me, by the way, afterwards. I've studied Qigong, of course, because it's about movement and breathing. So I was very selective as far as who... Which teacher I was studying with? I studied with the masters and the grandmasters because I was invited at the World Congress of Qigong very quickly in my in my in my you know practice, and then um, so I st- only studied with the masters um, uh, from the at the world level. Okay, that's master. yeah the best of the best. So it happened, and and I just knew I recognized them. You could feel them. You could just feel the the chi. I feel oh yeah. yeah to study with this teacher because it resonates with my body my body was saying right there (laughs) i see i see interesting it's the energy yeah energy prana you want to go Mm -hmm. different different systems of modalities of of healing and medicines have their own ways of interpreting this force but that's what i mean is inherent within ourselves this is how Mm we this is what we we're made of and that's why i was was privileged to have a relationship with that part from the start Mm. yeah yeah that's amazing so so tell me a little bit about qigong how did you get introduced to that did you start studying with a teacher in new york um so when there's there's a story here, uh, a critical story that amplifies, um, uh, revs up the whole process. This is the first part of my life, and then, um, then I got married, and we had two children. Uh, got divorced eventually, but my husband and I, I mean, one of our children, my younger, our, our younger child, our son, was diagnosed. Uh, when he was just about to turn four, with um, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Mm. And Western medicine, uh, modern medicine, was pretty much telling us there's nothing we can do. Um, mm. Still, for muscular dystrophy. Duchenne. They still say that. It's mm. still true. Um, there have been all this, you know, attempt to to work on the the gene, um, but it hasn't happened. They they have they don't really have anything, and so th- at that point they were pretty much telling me um, that our son Dorian uh, was not going to leave to be uh, eighteen, probably not leave past the teenage years, and so there was a sense of urge at this point from mm-hmm. me. As his mother, knowing what I knew about the self-healing abilities, understanding the tools, I realized there's more to this and I must yes. find That's why the top teachers came in because uh-huh. it was a single mother at that point too. 
And um, so I was pretty much calling the shots as far as finding the help for Dorian. And for me as well, because a single mother and knowing what I knew, I had to take care of me and my daughter, of course, huh? because I was pretty much a sole operator at that point. Um, there was no much help. And um, so so I was looking for, you know, a valid uh, 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 and, and quick, you know, we didn't have time to waste. We need to find teachers yes. and help now that could meet us and 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 give us uh, whatever we could find that would help us. And that's pretty much uh, how I find myself going back to uh, osteopathy college um, to learn osteopathy and realizing this is still not ha- helping Dorian very much. This is not. Yeah. Can you explain uh, a little bit about osteopathy? It's okay, so- a doctor. It's a D.O., correct? Right. And doctor of osteopathy in America are doctors of a uh, physician. Um, yes. And and they prescribe medications. It's like mm-hmm. MD. It's just like an MD. Mm-hmm. But in Europe, that's why I went to study in Europe because I didn't have time, you know, to 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 do all these studies to become a, a DO. And and what does it give me? Um, the same thing as modern medicine gives me, which is nothing. So mm-hmm. this is not. You know, I need to look for. I need to look for people who can get results right away with a hands-on manipulation, and that's pretty much what I looked for and found in France and England. And uh, so that's pretty much what my degree was, because at this point I was really okay. Osteopathy is really about the meeting of Eastern with Western medicine. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. I'm glad I'm teaching you this because. This is where Western medicine becomes or re-becomes, such as a word, becomes again holistic. Yeah? Because modern uh, Western medicine is no longer holistic by definitions because it divides everything into a reductionistic medicine where everything uh-huh. is divided. But the whole is not holistic anymore. By not right. So by prescription. For this this issue, this pattern, t- 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 we give this medication. For this, this, we give that medication. But it's not even looking at the body as one unit anymore. Osteopathy does. Treat the body as one unit, you see? So by definition, osteopathy is holistic. And that's where kind of Eastern and Western medicine start to connect. Mm, yeah, and- I believe that. And, and it's so fascinating because... I saw an osteopath, a DO in Los Angeles when I lived there uh, for my daughter. So my daughter wasn't walking um, and she was over a year. And so she wasn't hitting her developmental milestones. And she found out that she was nutritionally deficient she wasn't getting the right food because I was working so much. I had a babysitter and they weren't feeding her properly. So she put me, uh, had me put her on this diet. And I would say in a couple of weeks, she started walking. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I really believe in the work you do and osteopathic medicine. I, I just think it's like so amazing. Yeah, it is because we are, as osteopaths, um, working with 
that self-healing and self-correcting. Mm. Oh, that's one of the premises? Number one, yeah. treat the body as one unit. The body can self-heal. Mm. Yeah? And so that's, that's really the, 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 the principles of osteopathy. You know, let's look mm-hmm. into this course, which is really the merging of Qigong with um, um, osteopathy into more specifically craniosacral therapy, uh, which is... Okay evolution of osteopathy and osteopathy has different oh i see yeah tell me about cranial sacral so so i mean someone can just um can be like a physical therapist and get a certification right in cranial sacral therapy yeah there there are different levels of cranial Mm. not all cranial sacral therapists are equal that's really important to know and realize I'm glad you said that. Psychotherapy, they've done, you know, a, a three or four day weekend, a four day weekend workshop. That's right. But but there's not any regulation in the U.S. about that. Right. So, um, you know, people, I'm just, people who are looking for cranial psychotherapists need to look for advanced cranial psychotherapists practitioners and do their research and realize that, you know, you don't want to just, you know, believe that all the cranial psychotherapists are going to help you. That's not true. Um, well, they may help a little bit because anyone that comes with a hands-on with intention, like they were, te- you know, John Uplager, my teacher, was teaching kids, you know, like put your hands on someone who is hurting yeah. and, you know, like flowers or yeah. rainbows or whatever. Between oh, hands. visualize something healing for them. Mm-hmm. So anyone can do that. That's that's my point. Mm-hmm. Animals can do that. Animals are, you know, are healers themselves. Yeah. Anyone can do that. But if you want really to work with um, cranial psychotherapy, uh, therapy, you want to find someone who is an advanced practitioner who's been doing it at least for five years and continues to train. Okay. Okay. Because uh, cranial psychotherapy work, I call cranial psychotherapy work, comes from osteopathy originally. And there was Dr. Sutherland. I see first cranial osteopath who spent 30 years of his life putting together this model that he was called on following the teachers of his teach the teaching of his teacher dr still the first osteopath who is pretty much saying structure and function are interrelated in the whole body but dr sutherland looked into this the cranial bones and how the movement of the cranium is also a structure function related and so so that's why it starts from 1900s. And then um, by 1930, Dr. Sutherland showed his work and they treat him like a fool. It's like, you know. They bad. treated him like, yeah, like it was and nonsense. Today, all the cranial work on the planet <laughs> comes from the teaching of Dr. Sutherland. Oh, wow. Yeah. A legend, really. Yeah. yeah, for the cranial sacral work, my son was sleeping on one side. So he had a bit of a, um, you know, flat head on one side, which maybe, maybe is not that much of a problem. I don't know, but I was a new mom. So they were, the doctors were saying, get a helmet. And I was like, I don't know about that. So that's why I was looking for other solutions. And that's when I found cranial sacral therapy and that really, um, helped him with his head shape Wonderful. yeah yeah this is great yeah yeah indeed. well tell me about the healing of your son yeah yeah so dorian um 
really became the teacher, you know, because I learned so much from being his mother and because of teachers that came to help us. I learned so much from the teachers and how they were helping him. And then I got to, of course, number one, his life was expanded almost twice, you know, the age um, limit that they were giving us. He passed just short of turning 32. And he, wow. <laughs> he lived a pretty good life. He did. He did. Um, just one year less than Jesus, really. <laughs> but when you think about it. I did it, not know that. This way. And oh, look at the look at the, the, the look at the, the the change that Jesus uh, manifested on the planet. It was just a short time living. His yeah. Life. Oh my God! Yeah. Just as a side note, I never knew Jesus died at thirty three, and I love threes. Like I have that in my mm -hmm. email, three three three, the Trinity. Hmm. Yeah, it's I saw that about you too. I agree. Trinity. That's yeah. Really uh. I just, yeah, just, I'm, I'm like soaking up all your wisdom. <laughs> okay. So, so your son, they said, how, how long did they say he had to live when he was, had this diagnosis? Which is still true. Um, um, we, we call them the kids, you know, as a Jerry's kids, because they were never growing up into, yeah. to be, uh, and, and um, so we call them the, the you know, they don't live very long because mm. without the qigong and the the posture alignment, uh, it comes down to it. I see. Where and how, know how. This is what we learn from the teachers because it's more than the breathing. It's about the qi. You see? So look at um, a, a simple way to, to understand qi it's like um, we need to have to. We all have to have the right amount of pressure in our tires, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I know about you. I'm very sensitive. I drive my husband crazy because I can pick it up. Like if there's not enough air on my tires, I need to <laughs> rebalance immediately because I am not comfortable driving. But this this is the principle of chi. You see, you have to have the right amount of chi in your body for mm -hmm. the like straightening up effortlessly. Okay, and the drive or the body drive to be proper. But if there's not enough chi in the chi spaces, because we have chi spaces that are meant to be filled up with chi, that's part of the healing process. But if it's not, if it's depleted and people are just anxious and depressed and, and you know, all this other, you know, uh, uh, symptoms that, 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 that should not happen when you pump, pump it up again, it was like, you know, you got what it takes to do life and you're happy doing it. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that's much how Dorian lived his life. Oh. Not only he had a good time, we always had a good time. We were laughing all along, especially after we turned 18. It's like, what does doctors know anyway? You know what? We're just going to enjoy a moment of our life and we're going to have a good time. Not yeah. that we didn't before, but it was like always this fear of like, what am mm -hmm. I like? Does he just like? No, he doesn't. He just keeps going. I have a good time, more good time than ever. Actually, he was a very funny, funny guy with mm -hmm. an enormous sense of humor, and he would make everybody laugh. Okay, mm -hmm. because he's so smart, and he graduated magna cum laude 
from FAU, okay, which is top of his class, FAU, Florida Atlantic University, one of the top colleges in Florida. And he, he was on the front page of the of the Palm Beach Post when he graduated with a big smile on his face, of course. And um, so we were just, you know, most of his friends um, didn't graduate until like much later on and without the cum, cum laude either, you know what I mean? So yeah, he was a leader. Really smart. Mm-hmm. He's so brilliant and funny and how he was just loved. People just adored him. Mm. And so he was a teacher to all of us. Because I'm real amazing. What life is about. So okay, he didn't have yeah. muscles. Okay, so we're gonna try. We're not trying to focus on build muscles. If he's born without the muscles, that's not what it's about. Mm. I think you have blue eyes or green yes. eyes. I yeah. have blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Blue eyes. So I was like, are you gonna spend your whole life trying to turn your your eyes to be green, which you do want to because your eyes are beautiful anyway? But you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is not, if you're born with those beautiful blue eyes. You're going to keep them. You're not going to try mm. to do something with him. Okay, so he didn't have any muscles. Okay, so he's not going to be a, a mover. He's not going to move furniture. We know that. <laughs> yeah. But he but had he, the use of his mind, which is incredible. That's right. Exactly. And his sense of humor on top of that, all of this. Yeah. Because he had a slap. You know, and <laughs> we never felt sorry around him. Around him. Because he never felt sorry for himself. Why well, would he feel sorry? He had a good life, a great life. But yeah. He didn't, people would look at him and say, oh, where was the pity? It was like, dude, you don't know what a great life I have. Look at yourself and look at your life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's amazing. Fun memories of it. And then because yeah. of our it's not the end either. Yeah. Do you connect with him sometimes? All the time, in vice versa. Yeah, because he was just saying, love you, mom. We have this code. We have this code. We have a code. Oh, we do. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so amazing. So Mm -hmm. let's go into some of these other therapies. So manual therapy, what um, do you feel like that is the same as cranial sacral? Like they all go together? Um, Well, (laughs) <laughs> this, this is an interesting question. Manual therapy is pretty much any therapy where the therapist has hands on and uses the hands for therapy, right? Okay. So it could be a massage therapist. It can be a okay. yeah. therapist. It can be a physical therapist. Got it. Also, mm-hmm. or any license that gives you the ability to put the hands on, right? then that would be manual therapy. Uh, Craniosacral therapy, for me, is, you know, the most sophisticated approach. I see. Human body. Why? Because we're dealing with the core link intelligence. Which is the spinal cord? Spinal cord and meninges, movement of the cranium, the rhythm, but not necessarily limited to that. Because we also have another tube in the front that starts with this end and the end with the other end. It's part of the center as well, even though it kind of, it takes, you know, little. Yeah, has a long route. Long routes, exactly, with organs attached to it. <laughs> but 
that's basically, you know, the calling intelligence of the whole human body. The arms and the legs are sort of appendages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, again, you know, for Dorian, it, it, it didn't really matter about these appendages because we knew they were not working very well, but that was not the most important. The most important, he would be like positioned properly in his wheelchair. I see. Hoppers knew that. If it was not positioned properly in his wheelchair, 10 minutes later, it's like, uh, I need some help here. We're positioned properly in good posture. Uh, If he was lined up properly in good, comfortable posture, he could be there for four hours, five hours. Wow. Mean anything. But if he was not, 10 minutes later, I need some help. So the helpers knew it's better to invest. 15 minutes to have him really, really comfortable in his chair because then he's good to go. He doesn't need any help. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I want to hear about, uh, thank you for sharing. It's so wonderful how much you light up talking about your son and what a gift he was to humanity, to your family. It's beautiful. Um, So I want to talk about your own process, craniosacral Qigong. So that is unique to you, correct? Correct. Correct. Thank you so much. I love how you flow into all of this. It's it's beautiful. I knew you would. You just, (laughs) it's wonderful. And you have experience too, being a mother. You understand what it is to take care of our children and take good care of our children and find the helpers, the right helpers to take good care of our children. Yeah, bravo. Thank you. And, yeah. And um, it comes from that, really, because you were asking me earlier on, and we never kind of continue how Qigong came. And it was really about the same time when I graduated from osteopathy and came back to America. And um, and then the, teacher, the teachers came and the teachers were the cranial sacral uh, teachers um, and the Qigong teachers pretty much at the same time. And um, so I was teaching uh, to a group of massage therapists um, just a few miles south of where I was living in Florida. And one of my teachers, I was teaching massage therapists cranial sacral work, basically. And just after graduating from osteopathy, and I uh, want to see those massage therapists that took your class. <laughs> I touch with them, and one of my students was very, very um, they, they're they're so cool. I just love them. They they're, they're yeah. really exciting people. Yeah, one of them was a medical uh, a qigong master, and I, I I was so impressed by him because we were communicating the same thing with different different paradigms, different models. He was talking about Chinese energetic medicine, which I had been exposed to in Osteopathy uh, uh, College, but not like he was. And I was, you know, teaching craniosacral, and he would be like finishing pretty much the, the 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 teaching for the students because I wanted him to share with us, and 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 we became like very, very close together, and and just you know from the teachings, he was a married happy man. Everything was none of that, and. And then we would start teaching each other after the class. He would like pick up the phone, call me. We'll be on the phone for two hours. He would be teaching me Qigong. I would be teaching craniosacral. And that's how it started. And I was like blown away of how Qigong was so similar to craniosacral. It's just different approach when Eastern medicine, Western mm-hmm. medicine, 
same thing. And so that's when I started. And I was early, early on because I had just graduated from Mount Stanford College. And that's when it started in 1994. And then three years later, four, five, six, seven, I, at that point, was invited by John Pleasure, the, the developer of craniosacral therapy, to work with him on his patients at this clinic. How so did he look- hear about you? I'm sorry to interrupt, but... Yeah, well, thank you. Like a dream come true. Yes. Uh, when I get back from when I get back from Alstapi College, um, or oh, before going to Alstapi College, I asked, you know, divine the, the guidance, divine guidance. I prayed about it. I said, should I study craniosacral therapy now, or go to Alstapi College first? And the answer was, get get the information from the Alstapi College and the skills, and then study craniosacral therapy. So when I got when I got back to America, I immediately put my son on a waiting list to see John Upledger because he had a two year waiting list at that point. So I put myself, I put Dorian on the waiting list to see John Upledger. Two years later, I had already started to take the craniosacral courses, and I was about to meet him for the first level, for one, two, for the third level. And um, I called to get an appointment for Dorian. And and the doc and they they say well his waiting list is now five years because he travels a lot and he says you know so I said um, I'm a student of his I'm an osteopath my son doesn't have much time I'm etc I'm taking the classes so they said why don't you write him a letter this is all in my book why don't you write him a letter so I did so when I took the class he had written he had received my letter and he recognized me right away. He said, oh, that was you. I, he had picked up on my eyes because it was like, like, oh, it opened. It was like, oh, my God, this is the guy I went to study with. This is yeah. no question. He is the one. And so I went and introduced myself. He looked at his agenda. He said, I have an appointment next week. And I was like, yes, yes, we have it. Okay, next week. During the session while he was working with me and asked me to work with him on Dorian, he said, you know, you're very, very good. I wonder if you would be interested in working with me in the clinic. And I was like, oh, he said, you're just going to have to uh, show me. You're going to work on me first before. And yes. um, sure that you pick up what, what you need to work on. And sure enough, the following week, we were there and you invited me. So you picked up all the uh, all the points and you're right on that you're invited. It's official. And that's how I um, wound up working with John Pleasure again via Dorian. And so in 1997, a few years later, two years later, I was uh, working at the clinic, Alpeja Clinic. On my desk, I see a flyer. We're looking for speakers for the World Congress on Qigong. And I'm like, Oh, I went to Dr. Jones. Dr. John, I need to be there. I I need to represent craniosacral at this mm-hmm. conference. Yeah. And it was like, oh, he's looking at this. He's like, oh my God, Effie Chow. Dr. Effie Chow was the founder of this congress. I said, well, Dr. Effie Chow and I know each other because we have been on the board of National Institute of Health to look for alternate uh, therapies. Oh. And I'm Dr. Chow. I've known her. We're on the same board. And it was like, Oh my God. So he helped me write 
the first abstract, and that's why oh. I first uh, uh, American World Congress on Qigong to present craniosacral with Qigong. Oh. And ever since I've been continuing because I'm like, this is the same thing. It's just meant to be together. It's just meant to be together. And Beautiful. I prove it time after time after time because you empower the person with Qi practice. And so they need less help. It's all about empowering them and to understand the power that they have, that you have. I'm talking to everybody. Yeah, uh, we are everybody listening. And this is why we must teach those teachings properly and the teaching that i've studied and been practicing with qigong all have that lineage because i've been studying masters only i only pick teachers with lineage that happen to be the best Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wonderful because because it's transmitted if it was not valid if it was not powerful it was not it would have disappeared off the face of the world a long time ago but the fact itself that it keeps being transmitted and it keeps getting better with the transmission is the scientific evidence itself it's valid mm. absolutely and I, I did want to touch on the 23rd world congress on integrative health healing with peace how was that and and so, and what does that mean to heal with peace? It just feels so good. Well, and I was awarded. I think you read the information, right? I was awarded, um, and it was a total um, surprise oh. because I wasn't expecting that. And I say we because my husband, Edward, has been working with me uh, for the last 12 years. Um, and so we were totally, like, like shocked to receive this award as the medical Qigong master of the year 2023. And when when they gave me the award, they reminded me that um, Roshani Nosler, the one who organized the one of the mm-hmm. organizers, uh, reminded me that when I first chose to present at this conference, um, I told her I knew it was supposed to be there because it's the integration for the first time in the history of discomforts of 23 years. Huh? I was in the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth, I think. And, and back then it was kind of new, the Eastern merging with Western. It was, even though it's meant to be there, not too many people were doing that because it takes a lot of education, a lot of years. Oh, yeah. But both of them, let alone one. It's still and, hard to find. It's still hard to find. There's maybe like one practitioner here where I live. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, um, so, so, so that's why, you know, I knew I was supposed to be there because I feel like this is the time is now. Now people understand the importance of merging Eastern with Western medicine because from that root, you know, of the traditional Chinese and energetic medicine, which is Qigong, acupuncture, Tai Chi, etc., and the evolution of uh, medicine, modern medicine, or Western medicine, should I say, which is not modern, which is traditional as well, the other uh, bone setters, which is osteopathy, into craniosacral therapy, and then, of course, you know, merging the two of them. So it goes back to what we we're talking about before, which is, you know, healing with peace. You got to be quiet and you got to be away from the world to be able to heal. Otherwise, you can't mm. go find that force and so healing with peace this is really what craniosacral qigong is about because when we do the practice we practice 
on our own. I mean, my husband and I love practicing with each other. That's mm. different. We're still doing the practice. We're mm-hmm. still practicing on our own. Mm. And then together and sometimes, you know, if we're not, you know, but seldom, we mostly practice together. But it's still a personal practice, mm-hmm. even with others. So it, it's it's healing with peace because it's gentle movement, it's it's relaxing, it's quiet. You know? And then, of course, um, the meditation, by definition, it's quiet. Yes. And you have to really go into that part, activate that part with the Qigong practice and facilitate the healing process. That's part of uh, who we are. That's why we go back to the beginning of our conversation right here. Yeah, that's right. I want to touch on your book a little bit, Pathways to Consciousness Power. What is the purpose of it and and how can people get the most out of it? Um, some people, I've had some really interesting uh, feedback from, from people and uh, some people just said, you know, I like to read just one chapter at a time and meditate on it and just feel it. Some yeah. people just read it four hours, it's done. It's, it's an easy read. Uh, it's a very easy read. It's for everyone. Um, but some people will, will just want to be like, you can you can take it at any point, really, in the book. Mm. Um, and just kind of trust where you feel like you're drawn. But make sure you read it all, because it's a, it's a cohesive piece in itself. I see. It's pretty much the, the evolution, how I got to do this work. We touch on a lot of this today with you yes. Lisa, uh, about the book so thank you so much for um you know um your questions and your interest and i really appreciate uh, your sincerity and your compassion and uh yeah you ask good questions and it's so fluid and how it goes from one to the next Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you saying that. Well, it's been such an honor getting to know you, hearing your stories about your son, so inspiring, and about your incredible book, Pathways to Consciousness Power. And I'll put your website and how to buy your book in the show notes. So thanks for being on my show today, Dr. Chloe. Thank you so much, Carissa, and thank you for all the good work that you do to bring, you know, the awareness uh, for people like like me, and all this quality of people that you have in your show, um, that help wake up the consciousness, and uh, that's part of the power of it all, right? Is so when we can wake up the consciousness to people's uh, lives and 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 true identity of who we are and what we are able uh, um, to to manifest in our lives, and and you do so so well with your with your work. So thank you so much. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen success in life.